this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We tape Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers hands-on technology support and forward-thinking solutions. With managed IT integration, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what's most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. We're proud to welcome our newest sponsor, Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital. Physician-owned, Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital offers expertly trained doctors and staff that are actively involved in all aspects of patient care. Their reputation for excellence in patient comfort, safety, and overall treatment is reflected in an average patient satisfaction rating of 98% or higher. For more information, visit LafayetteSurgical.com. Our guest today is Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. He's our 54th Lieutenant Governor to serve our great state in this capacity. Billy brings a special joie de vivre to this position. I'm not sure I've ever met anyone as enthusiastic or hardworking, and I'm proud to call him my friend. We met 12 years ago when he was serving as president of Plaquemines Parish. It was in the aftermath of one of the biggest environmental disasters in history, the BP oil spill. Billy became the voice of Louisiana's frustration, and the New York Times named him the hardest working man in Louisiana. Billy was a crusader for our people then, just as he is today. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, welcome to Discover Lafayette. It's great to be with you. Yeah, and you didn't know I was doing this. No, Isn't I'm excited. Yeah, I started doing this, as I was telling you, about five and a half years ago, and it's really my pleasure to shine the light on the good not only in our region here, but in our state. And I know you're here in town today for the Chiropractors Association. Right. I try to get around the state as much as possible. I see that. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, really meeting with the groups in all walks of life and hearing uh, what they want Louisiana's to be and what can we do better to promote it and what can we do better for our state parks and our museums mm-hmm. really uh, helps me do a better job as lieutenant governor by listening to the people. And I think a lot of times elected officials get in office, they surround themselves with a few people who say you're doing a great job, and they lose touch with the public they represent. And that's so important to stay grounded and, and listen to the people. We're here at the Doubletree, the beautiful hotel, Doubletree by Hilton. And I have to say, I know that this is one stop among many that you have this weekend, uh, today and tomorrow, Saturday. But everybody wanted to talk to you. You are in touch with the people. I mean, everybody out in the lobby wanted to grab you and take a photo, you know, uh, shake your hand. Well, I'm honored. And uh, I love people. I love making a difference. I love helping people. And if you're in public office and you enjoy that, Um, It's a great place to be. So you took office in 2016, is that right? I think that's right. I'm in my second term. I think I read that, yeah. So can you talk about the different aspects of being lieutenant governor? This is probably one of the most fun jobs, but it's also, you've got a lot of responsibilities. It really is. You know, the main job is over the cultural recreation tourism, over the state parks and non-museums in the state. Also, One of my favorite is Volunteer Louisiana. Um, After a storm, or even during normal times, uh, you can go on there and say, I need my 
trees, cut out my yard, and we partnered with nonprofits, Samaritan's Purse, uh, AmeriCorps, 10,000 volunteers uh, go out and help people, whether it's remove trees, muck and gut in your home, repair your home. And, and those volunteer groups stay the course until everyone's back in their home after a storm. I think for this last storm, uh, we had 18,600 and some odd open cases. To date, we've closed out around 11,000. And so it's a great service organization that we've grown since I've been lieutenant governor, like I said, to over 10,000 members and partners that Mm -hmm. uh, help people. In normal times, we build wheelchair ramps for seniors or veterans or paint senior homes. We haven't had a lot of normal times lately. It's all been disaster recovery. But it's a great organization I'm really proud of. Historical preservation, Main Street. Uh, and then we got Keep Louisiana Beautiful moved under my office, and I complained that none of the agencies were helping us enough. So the governor put a task force under my office, and I, I feel we're well on our way to cleaning up Louisiana. Yeah. Tell you what, Matt Steller and Lafayette Proud does an incredible mm-hmm. job here in Lafayette, and we've taken some of their great ideas to bring statewide. I was going to ask you about that later, but let's kind of focus on that, you know, before we move on. I, I understand that there's a Louisiana Shine campaign to highlight the need for all of us to not only pick up our trash, but to prevent things from blowing out of our trucks. And uh, a lot of us litter, and we don't even know it. Absolutely. And, you know, everything from tra- tying your garbage in bags before you put it in a can so it can't fly out the garbage truck, reporting people that litter, and also... We need our, our strip malls, our Walmarts to put the garbage cans back in the mm-hmm. parking lot. I'll tell you, Cracker Barrel has garbage cans all over their parking lot, and they clean them out, and their parking lots are clean. Yeah. So just like at Disneyland, they've got a garbage can every 20 feet. You don't see litter on the ground. Mm-hmm. So we've got to make it easy. When I was parish president, I put 20 garbage cans on an angle on Highway 23. 90% of the garbage went in and around those cans but it cleaned up the highway. Right. So we're giving out grants for those kind of garbage cans to local parishes or cities that will put them up and keep them clean. We're also working with the sheriffs. I just went and spoke to the sheriffs at their conference in Destin, and I said, tell me what you need. Do you need a pickup truck and a trailer? Do you need overtime? We want to give our sheriffs the tools to where they don't take money away from fighting crime. It's an extra grant that they can use to put those work-release prisoners out there picking up trash. They're a great partner in this. They're all on board, and, and we're blessed to have some great sheriffs all over the state that want to help out. You know, it's it's curious to me. I just took a road trip east. Uh, two weeks I was on the road, and, and you know this. When you go to other cities and towns across the U.S., you do see more trash cans out. You see recycling, where people that are walking, going to downtowns, they know that it's not an issue. And I saw that without fail, going through Pensacola, and, you know, we went, gosh, we went through Georgia, Raleigh, North Carolina, D.C. You didn't see trash like you do here. And I know that our people are better than this, but is it a cultural thing, just growing up, not thinking? It's a lot of both. When you see trash down, you're more apt to litter. So yeah. some of the corners and some of the hot spots we've had to clean up a dozen times. Um, so we've got to, but we've also got to change the culture. I go and I ask every elected official, go speak in the schools. I told the third graders mm-hmm. uh, right before school ended last year, 
in Alexandria, go home and tell your parents if they let her, you're going to call the lieutenant governor. Well, one of the moms called my office, wanted to know if I really told her son that. But we've got to change the culture in the schools. I mm-hmm. hope to partner with the DARE program so those DARE officers can pass out garbage bags and tell the kids to take it home and put it in their parents' car and tell them don't litter. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully one day we won't have to spend the millions we spend to clean up. And that's another thing. We've got to hold the contractors accountable, and we're looking at that. A better way to pick up trash in Florida, they take a cart, and they zoom down the highway with those tongs. Um, It's a lot more efficient than walking in front of the tractors as they cut the grass. So we're looking at every aspect of it, and enforcement, and litter court. And um, this is something we can all get involved in and make a difference. Less than 17% of the people actually litter. Uh, really? So we pay the price for that. And, you know, especially now as we open our doors back up to the world after COVID, mm-hmm. when you invite when you invite family and friends over to your house, you clean up. So it's time to clean up our state as we invite people back yeah. here. Yeah, I've been involved in efforts in the past here. And when you, when you enter the, you know, when you're going to the front door of a community like you're talking about or the front door of our state, you know, we want to make the best impression. But we all have to to kick in. So I want to commend you on that. Um, I also wanted to ask you about tourism. I got some notes and you know the numbers, I mean, of course, but, you know, we were doing so well before uh, the pandemic, but it sounds like things are rebounding. They really are. You know, over 53 million people visited Lolo, Louisiana in 2019. Mm -hmm. They left behind 1.9 billion in taxes. That's over $1,100 per Louisiana family you and I didn't have to pay. So we were really concerned coming out of COVID. Uh, the good news is last year, we expected three to five years to get back to those record-breaking numbers. Well, last year, we had 41 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's incredible. I, I, it is. I believe this year, but for sure next year, we will be back to record-breaking numbers. Mm-hmm. And we've done that several ways, staycation, mm-hmm. road trips close to home, thinking outside the box, the Macy's Parade, the Rose Parade. Lauren Daigle re-recording You're My Sunshine, second most recognized song in the world, Um, and a lot of great partners all over the state. But the the one thing that we have no one else, we treat strangers like family. Mm -hmm. You leave Louisiana with a friend for life and you keep coming back. And I hear that all over the world, especially this region is the friendliest region, friendliest city in the world. Thank you. And and I'll (laughs) tell you, Uh, When I got elected, we started promoting Mardi Gras all over Louisiana, not just New Orleans. This last year, we saw increases in every place except New Orleans for Mardi Gras. And ever since we took over the international um, reps, New Orleans used to get paid 60, 80 percent by the state, but they hired them. Mm -hmm. Well, when I first got elected, New Orleans was not promoting the rest of the state. So we hired the reps directly. Now we've got bus tours coming to this region from Canada, from all over. People actually come to Lafayette, Lake Charles, and other parts mm-hmm. of the state as a destination because they know there's more than New Orleans to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And that's something we're real proud of. We've worked hard to make that happen. And especially here in Lafayette, I mean, we are just a festival capital. You know, two festival Acadian this year, um, Festival International. We, it's just there's always a party and it's an outdoor fun party. Absolutely. And you know, something we started doing, uh, we just got back from a, I didn't go, but our team went to IPW, International Powwow, 
What's Emma, that? It's the International Powwow for Tourism, all oh, the okay. tour operators. And we started bringing, uh, we brought Bayou Rum and Tabasco as a partner. Mm-hmm. So we not only highlighting the great things to do in this region, here's these tourist attractions, Avery Island, Bayou yeah. Rum, and, and Louisiana products. So everywhere we go now, we grab a handful of Louisiana products. We just partnered with Steen Syrup. They now have Louisiana Feed Your Soul on their label. Oh, gosh. Uh, we're working to try to get them in the Waffle House and some of the mm-hmm. other national chains uh, to show the Louisiana flavor that we have mm-hmm. here. So uh, it's an economic engine. It's a way to take tourism and marry it with all the great products we have here. Right. I know that you promote all of the state, but I guess we really couldn't bring in the big numbers without, you know, New Orleans being the big draw. That's that's what people think of when they think of Louisiana, the well, first thing. We saw uh, after Katrina that tourism suffered all over the state because New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So, yes, and that's why I've been working very hard to try to save the French Quarter. Uh, we had a plan to make it a separate district like they did in oh. San Diego with the gas lamp district, managed by residents and businesses. Uh, we thought we had a bill that could be passed and the senator from New Orleans killed it at the last minute because he wasn't included. But we're not giving up. Uh, I've actually opened an office in the back of the Cabildo uh, where I have a couple staff there working on issues in the quarter uh, because it's worth saving. We've mm-hmm. got to make the attempt, but uh, but they've got some real struggles right now. Well, I read that um, upcoming through the end of 2022, there really are a lot of major conventions that are headed, not not just for our town in Lafayette, but for New Orleans. And I think I read that be like uh, 10,000 hotel rooms on peak nights are scheduled already. So I'm so glad to hear that because yeah. they're our bread and butter for the state. Right. We What we did early on in COVID was we offered Louisiana Land Yap. If you book your convention or conference in Louisiana, we'll give you free seafood and a local band of musicians. It helps our musicians out mm-hmm. and helps our seafood out. That has been wildly successful. We brought the water ski champion to Baton Rouge. Uh, we got it from Miami, and we took all the judges to Drago's, oh, uh, Charlbar Oysters. <laughs> they had such a great time, they booked it next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kind of things we're doing, leaning forward. We also, when it looked like there might be a jazz, not have a jazz fest, and the LSU-Florida State game, the first game will be in the Superdome mm-hmm. in a few weeks as opposed to going to Florida State. So the state's been leaning forward and becoming sponsors of every event, much like we are here with all the fairs and festivals to make sure they're successful. So that's um, Labor Day weekend. You're yes. talking about um, Office of Tourism and Sugar Bowl Committee sponsoring LSU versus Florida State. Is it already time for football? Yes, it is. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, people are telling me- Go when, Tigers. <laughs> when, when we put that money up last year, um, we knew it was important, especially for the new coach to have the first game here, not at Florida State. And being on a holiday weekend, that's going to be huge for the economy, bringing all those people in. And I'll tell you, we um, last year we partnered with every university. We pick one game, and we provide we partner with Louisiana Seafood, which is under my office, the Seafood Board. And we invited every alumni that ever went to school at every university, over two and a half million, back to Louisiana. And Lafayette, we have one, we have great Louisiana Seafood. We invite all the alumni back. Come have a great seafood. Come see your family and friends and where you went to school. 
and it's been wildly successful all over the state. So we're going to do that again this year. Gosh, you know how to throw a party. <laughs> well, Louisiana does. <laughs> I had a question, too, about uh, the Civil Rights Trail. I know this is something that is near and dear to your heart, and I didn't really know anything about this in Bogalusa. I know there was just... Uh, you unveiled the marker for the Robert Bob Hicks House in Bogalusa, uh, August 11th of this year. Yeah, when I first got elected, uh, there was a tourism conference in Arizona, and I wanted to go see what my job was. And um, as I sat there and, and I was to get up and speak next, uh, Alabama got up and spoke about how many busloads come through Alabama for the Civil Rights Trail. And then they head into Mississippi, and Mississippi talked about their sites. And I leaned over to Doug, who's head of the tourism, and I said, Doug, do we have a civil rights trail? He said, I don't think so. I said, why not? He said, I don't know. So I got up and apologized to the crowd and said, look, we're gonna, when I get back home, I'm going to find out why not. Well, we put a team together and started finding out that Louisiana has more heroes, occurrences, things happened here than anywhere. The first bus boycott wasn't in Alabama. It was a young man, 17 days out of law school, Dr. Jones, who filed a lawsuit to box in after riding the back of the bus. Well, we put that marker up at the Capitol. He was able to put his finger on his name and start to cry that he was recognized before he died. He recently died. But we got to interview him and, and hear the story. Yeah. Leona Tate, in New Orleans, we put that marker up, one of the three young girls that was led into school. And as she tells the story, uh, she saw police on horseback and said, Mama, why do I got to go to school on Mardi Gras? She said, oh, no, honey, this is no parade. Keep your head down. But to get these stories, the Bogalusa March, which was an inspiration to the march that took place in Alabama, 100-plus miles in August heat from Bogalusa to Baton Rouge. Uh, this has been so, we uncovered so much here that the National Civil Rights Trail, where Louisiana only had one marker on that, added nine new sites just last year. Wow. So In when a short time. And when we're finished, uh, just on what we know now, and mm -hmm. we're finding new things every day, mm -hmm. um, we will dominate the National Trail when it's over. So I believe, and we just... Uh, we just got approval to put the Civil Rights Starting Museum in the convention center in New Orleans. The board there voted to let us put an exhibit in there. So that will be a home where you'll start the trail. And uh, we've got many more sites to go. Yeah, that's inspiring. Uh, can we go to your website, the Lieutenant yeah, you Governor's can, website? And you can also go to the LouisianaCivilRightsTrail.com okay. and look at the sites and nominate new sites. Because we vent them to make sure they took to in that era. And, uh, you know, there's other occurrences that were outside that time that also on the African-American uh, trail, which is also some of the other occurrences that significant things that happened uh, through time. But it, it's, it's, you know, I was shocked that we didn't have a trail. Uh, but also, one lady was upset that we were going to make money promoting tourism with this, and that bothered me. I went home that night and didn't sleep. And we have a thing called Homework Louisiana, where anybody, we designed this with a grant on through the library system. Any kids can go get two to K through 12. The use was up 500% during COVID. 
And then we also have a thing uniquely Louisiana, which the schools download to teach about unique things in Louisiana. So we're going to take that same platform and design an educational part of the Civil Rights Trail mm-hmm. that you can download at school or in, in, in the classroom that satisfied some of these people that thought we were using a horrible time in history for other purposes just to, to yeah. make tourism so right. it's going to be an educational tool we'll use as well Billy I have a few more things I'd like to discuss sure. with you during every show we pause though and look back uh, listen back to a clip from a previous interview and I'm pulling one with Ben Berth a lot president and CEO of our Lafayette Convention and Visitors Commission and I know you both work together and your shared mission to bring tourism into Lafayette and Louisiana you can hear Ben's interview along with about 275 others at discoverlafayette.net let's take a listen let's talk about Lafayette um, what do you think, when you think of home in Lafayette, when you're describing, and I guess you travel and meet other mm-hmm. uh, convention and visitors types around the country, mm-hmm. how would you describe Lafayette when you talk about home? Well, it, it sort of depends on what audience I'm talking to, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, we're known as the heart of Cajun country and now the heart of Cajun and Creole country. Uh, we've been branded that way for 30 years, and so, you know, what I describe is that the, the, whole, the whole Cajun, the Cajunization of Cajun is, is kind of going all over the world, and even inside of Louisiana, you know, many, many people claim Cajun, but really mm-hmm. for the authentic true experience this is this is where you need to be in, right. in the heart of of Acadiana and so um you know and then of course the food the music the birthplace of Cajun and Zydeco music uh now the happiest city in America and that's an interesting title because everything that that we talk about and um, about our area, you know, we are a happy people, mm-hmm. the, the joy of life, the joie de vivre. And, and so it really boils down to those things. Um, and at the end of the day, sometimes, depending on how much time you have, it can be, it's such a special place. It, it can be tough to summarize it in a two minute elevator speech. Right. So what I always say is if we can get them here, we have mm-hmm. them hooked and we just have to try to get them here. And right. that's, that's what we're trying to do as the marketing organization for Lafayette Parish. But, you know, everything that we promote pretty much revolves around the food, the music, and the culture. And ultimately, uh, entwined in all of those things are our people. Right. It's funny. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. This is Jan Swift. I'm here with our Lieutenant Governor, Billy Nungesser. If I can ask you just to talk about what it's like to be an elected official. I mean, you are busy, 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 but you seem to thrive on this. If you enjoy helping people and making a difference, um, and I got that from my mother, um, I'd rather do something good for someone else than buy something for myself, and that's a gift from God because that truly is a gift. And uh, I only know one way, give 110% or get out. Now, my wife laughs at me because she goes, what would you do if you left public office? So we'd have a great time. We'd travel. Mm-hmm. We'd do fun things. But while I'm here, I have to give 110%. I think too often people get elected and they only do what they got to do to get reelected. No more, no less. And the people of Louisiana deserve uh, 110% when they elect you. Uh, no less. And I think that's the problem in most of public office. You know, everybody said you can look at what's going on in the state and say, why aren't we fixing this, this, and this? Mm-hmm. Well, because they don't have to, to get reelected. You know, when I got in office and, and Jay Darden told me I'd have to close seven state parks, I didn't have the money. 
I looked at every contract, and I got rid of $4 million in wasteful spending. We revamped everything we did. Not only did we not have to close them, we have seven state parks that are making money. And I can see a day when we won't need any tax dollars to run our parks. And I did nothing special. I just dug into everything we needed to fix, and we fixed it. And and I have a problem. I, I tell people I'd rather you go online and give me ten dollars uh, than someone raise me a million dollars. Because if you raise me a million dollars, you want something. And the only thing I will ever promise is good government. Because if I took a dollar for anything other than that, I couldn't look in eye and ask you to vote for me. And normally, a person like me doesn't have a chance. Uh, for, to, to prosper in politics without making those commitments. But, but I work hard at it, and I think it shows. Mm -hmm. And we have a great team around the state uh, of tourism leaders mm -hmm. that really pull together. So uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. And I enjoy going to those small towns and cities that have never seen a, a lieutenant governor before, uh, maybe because they don't have enough voters. But I'll meet with two or 200 people. It doesn't matter. They all deserve their, to, to see their elected officials. Now, you were successful in business before you ran. And I read that you were frustrated after Katrina, and you ran for parish president. Right. I actually started my business. Uh, uh, I had a yard here in Broussard, and I took old shipping containers and made living quarters for the oil field. Is that what you did? My mother, my dad, when I saw him loading containers on a ship, and my dad, we had offshore catering business. He'd send me offshore when they'd run a cook-off. And they put me to sleep in elder buildings. They leaked. They stunk. The air conditioning work. And offshore, all you've got is a good bed and a comfortable meal. You can't go home to your family or friends. So I saw him loading containers on a ship as I crossed the bridge one day. And I said, that would be a great structure for living quarters. And I went back to the office. said, Dad, I want to borrow some money. I want to build living quarters out of containers. He said, son... Those containers have been around 100 years. You're not that smart. Somebody would have thought of it. So I went to my mom. I had $7,900 left in my college fund. She gave me that money. She said, your dad's going to kill me. I said, Mom, trust me, this is going to work. <laughs> I bought a 20-foot container, put six bunks, a little kitchen, and a bathroom, and I rented to Joe Adams at Homa Industry mm -hmm. uh, on the West Bank. He had six people painting a rig, lived in it for about 18 months. While I was offshore, I went to all the oil companies. Joe Kramer, who's vice president of Shell in Houston today, was in purchase of the New Orleans. He needed four buildings for six months. I said, Mr. Joe, all my buildings are offshore. If you can give me a year contract, I'll build you the best buildings. If you don't like them, you don't have to pay for them. So come back and see me tomorrow. That was bold. I did. <laughs> Gave me the contract. Uh -huh. That year, I built 50 for Shell, 30 for Chevron. And when I sold the company, I had 1,000 buildings in the Gulf and 20 modular prisons all over the country for prison overcrowding. With the same concept, that yep, kind out of, of containers. Container. I actually lived in one here in Broussard. Um, I and sold my house in, in Algiers. Uh -huh. And I, when Chevron moved over to Lafayette, they wanted them built here. So I opened a yard and lived in mm -hmm. a shipping container, real nice one. Um, but I wanted to show that they are great structural. And you were repurposing. Yeah, and, and look, smart. I learned offshore one shower per 10 men wasn't enough, so I put two. I put uh, two air conditions. I crated up so if air conditions went out, you slid it in. You didn't have to wait for a guy to come offshore. The top bunk 
I put a drop seal and so the heat, so you were comfortable in the top bunk. I had the mattresses made extra thick, so you you had a good mattress. Mm -hmm. Sleep at Everything night. that bothered me, I put in those buildings, mm -hmm. and we just dominated the market. So when you're bothered, you tend to take action. So you ran for parish president I, uh, wrote after Katrina. I actually, um, me and my wife built a riding center for special needs kids, and uh, I watched miracles happen on that horseback. We took kids out of wheelchair, and when Katrina approached, and I... Uh, had nowhere to bring those horses. So I dug a lake and built my house overlooking the Mississippi River. I knew we wouldn't flood. We were six foot above the levee. So I brought those horses over to the home and, and rode out How Katrina. How many was that? Do you 26. remember? 26. 26 horses. Wow. And a few donkeys. <laughs> but I had four and had a cattle and two and had an elk that had a little area out the water across the way. But but we ended up rescuing Mike Strain, the commissioner of Ag's dad and uncle, was in the cattle business with me. They lived with me for a year after Katrina rescuing animals. But after the storm passed, wow. we, we went south in an airboat and rescued 30-something people that lived with me at my house for months, and I never saw a politician. So we fed them. We cleaned the road. We housed volunteers. I bought washer and dryers. Uh, I wasn't running for office. But after I got so aggravated that there were no politicians, mm -hmm. everything was New Orleans. And if we weren't there feeding people and helping out, they were on their own. And those animals, like you, I mean, what an incredible um, crisis. And uh, I tell you, volunteers came from all over to help, mm -hmm. but I got angry enough to run for Paris president. And then after the oil spill, I saw them killing birds and doing things, and I couldn't understand why more people weren't outraged. So I was on CNN and mm -hmm. Fox and everybody would hear and, and all we did was ask for help to do the right thing. And I think, in hindsight, a lot of the people didn't even know what was going on. Um, so uh, I got angry and I ran. I also didn't think Shreveport should have got BP money. Uh, the oil was on the coast. And every parish got a check, and that wasn't fair to the coast. So uh, I, uh, I ran against the sitting lieutenant governor, almost won. And I said, I'll run one more time. But, you know, when I ran, uh, Jimmy Fitzmaurice was the only one to endorse me. And he said, I, I want you to promise me two things. No matter who wins governor, you're not running against him and you never talk bad about him in public. I said, Jimmy, I don't care. Just take a picture with me. <laughs> well, after the election, he called me and said, don't forget what you promised me. I didn't think a Democrat would win. So I gave John Bell my word. I wouldn't run against him. I'd never talk bad about him in public. It probably didn't help my political career, but it's the best thing I did for Louisiana. I've sat with him doing every disaster. I get a seat at the table. We don't always agree. Mm -hmm. But you have uh, to work together absolutely. for our interest, I and, think. And, and he's allowed me to work with every one of his department heads on anything mm -hmm. to help the state. And that's invaluable. And, and I could recommend one thing to whoever's the next governor, lieutenant governor, whatever party you're in, you got to work together. And, uh, and look, we saw Jay Dard and Bobby Jindal not get along. That did not benefit anybody. And uh, so I learned a, a valuable lesson about working as a team uh, when you're on, when you, for the greater good of Louisiana. Did you learn much from your dad, Billy Nungesser, who was, what was he head of the Republican Party? He was, and he was chief of staff to Governor Treen. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely learned. You know, everybody laughs that I never let anybody buy me lunch. 
and I used to pay my dad's credit card bill when he was chief of staff. <laughs> and he said, Billy, I make decisions every day of what's best for Louisiana. I don't want to be influenced because somebody bought me a dinner. I didn't understand it back then. I do today. I do today. And he always told me to tell people if it's honest and ethical, you'll help them. And they joke with me because I say that a lot. But he, I, Dave Treen and, and, and my father uh, got rid of millions in wasteful spending contracts that didn't do nothing for their money, um, but make political donations. And, and we still got a lot of that today. And if we ever got rid of all the waste and we ran the state more like a business, we got a ton of money. I just don't think we spend a lot of it in the right places or efficiently. And, um, and, and that's what excites me mm -hmm. about running for the next office is that I know I can make a real difference. May not get reelected because there's going to be a lot of people ain't going to be happy about that. But I believe in full disclosure, every contract, every dollar spent, and things will work out. Mm -hmm. People need to know the truth. Well, I understand that you are seriously considering a run for governor. Um, I am. Um, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about who's going to run. I think after the election here in November, uh, it'll be a little clearer picture. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I'll take a poll, make sure there's a clear path to victory, because I wouldn't put my f supporters through that. And we'll make an announcement hopefully in early January. Um I got the best job in the world. My head tells me stay where I'm at, and my heart tells me I know I could really make a difference for the greater good. Um, and uh, so I do a lot of praying about it, And uh, but I'm sure at the time we'll make the right decision. I wish you all the best of well, success. I'm, I'm so thrilled that you were able to make time today to be on Discover Lafayette. Well, thank you for doing this. This is so important because you know, you only get the sound bites on the news. Most of it's usually negative. And to talk about the greater good and people working together. So what you're doing is invaluable to get issues, things that are going on out in the community where people can listen uh, to a fair and, and uh, an honest opinion. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'd like to thank our loyal listeners for your support. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. I'd also like to thank Raider for making this show possible. In particular, we couldn't tape the show without the support of Jason Sikora, who mixes the tapes and makes it sound so professional. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, thank you for listening. I'm Jan Swift. 